thought for a very long time that I had to be sad, that I was just this bipolar queer kid who was going to kill themselves by age 27, you know, join the 27 club. Growing up, that's what I imagined for myself. And now I'm 28. And that's really the best part of the story for me. It's the TMI Project Podcast. A series of stories about the too much information parts of ourselves we usually leave out because we're too ashamed or embarrassed. This is season four, Pride Stories. Pride Stories. You're Julie Novak. You're a lesbian. And you're Blake File, and you're a gay. That is correct. This season, we're going to profile some of the most incredible LGBTQIA plus storytellers and follow their narratives right up until the moment they walk on stage and read their monologues live in front of an audience. Before we get started, just want to let you know that as the TMI implies, some of this content might be too much information for some listeners. If you or someone you know is struggling, there is always help 24-7 at thetrevorproject.org. And remember, your support keeps our content free and accessible to everyone who wants to listen, gay or otherwise. So if you like what you hear and you're able to chip in, thank you. You can do so at tmiproject.org, where you can also find some fabulous merch. Yes. Speaking of which, this season is brought to you by Mr. Julie Tees. And you guessed it. I'm Mr. Julie, your co-host and the designer of custom queer AF t-shirts. Don't just say gay. Scream it out loud with Mr. Julie Tees. A portion of our proceeds from all t-shirt sales will be donated to TMI Project to keep the creation and amplification of queer stories alive. Follow me on Instagram at Mr. Julie Tees and shop your favorite styles at MrJulieTees.com. Now, let's dive in. Welcome back to Pride Stories. On today's episode, we're going to share a special storyteller, somebody who I think knows a lot more about gentleness and has this very deep well of emotion than most people I know, and that is Wendy Sharp. Yes, Wendy is certainly a beautiful, sensitive soul. And the one thing that I really love about this story is that it spins this outdated framework of the idea of coming out on its head. Yeah, it's interesting to me that Oftentimes, we are leaving out the human piece of those stories, which is grace and forgiveness. I think with Wendy, it's such a gorgeous story about the power of telling the truth and then also the power of setting boundaries. We're looking at how telling the truth ultimately has this huge ripple effect on the universe and then ultimately changing their family for the better. I love the story and couldn't be more excited to share it with folks today. It's a great story on so many levels. And for me, one of the best things about it is that it really focuses on queer joy. We've heard the tragic stories, the parts of coming out that were painful or resulted in consequences that were horrific. And in this piece, I love how they really celebrate in this very vivid way the joy and feeling of the first time that they kiss a girl. The description is just, it's so gleeful and so celebratory. And I feel like it speaks to how 
lovely and liberating discovering our sexuality can be, especially when you're someone, for me at least, growing up, who that was the thing I wanted, but for so long couldn't have and didn't think I was going to have. And the Mm. first time I kissed a woman, I remember being like, whoa, (laughs) this is amazing and feeling like everything just changed in this beautiful, joyful way, even though I still had to be outwardly a little quiet about it. My insides were just lit up with so much joy. So I love that Wendy talks about it, that first kiss and how magical it is. It's just such a great addition to the story. I think about the first time I kissed a boy. It was that satisfying feeling of just something clicked. I could feel it in my body. I could feel it in my pounding heart, in my chest, my pulse, and my blood felt like it was flowing in a way that it never had before. And I'm not just saying that because I was a horny teenager, but because truly there was something happening that was... In other words, magical. And I think similar to Wendy's story, there's something so beautiful about that, like you're saying. And I hope folks stick around after Wendy's story to hear how they're doing today, because you're really going to get to hear how they solidified that queer joy within their story. Totally. So stick around, folks. And right now, here is Wendy. first time I come out, it's 2007. I'm 14 and I'm terrified. I don't think of it in such official terms as coming out because I don't think of myself as gay. I did daydream about one girl for nearly a full year and sure my wedding vows to her were pretty much solidified by this time, but I'm not gay. You might be thinking, Wendy, liking girls and daydreaming about your wedding vows is pretty gay. But in baby Wendy's defense, I have never been aware that I met a gay person at this point. I'm in my aunt's living room talking about boys with my cousin Andrea, whispering and giggling about the magical mystery of the male species. (laughs) Andrea is 12 and she has a crush on a boy. I'm trying to put myself in her position. I ask for an insane amount of details about this boy she likes. Like, I ask a creepy amount of details about this boy she likes. I still remember the things she says about him with astounding clarity. He's 15, he's on the crew team, he has bright blue eyes and dark hair, he's a musician and plays baseball. (laughs) I keep thinking, what the hell is the big deal? We're 14, so what if he has abs? Is that really supposed to matter to us? Hilarious, considering I'd recently forced myself into gawking about similar traits of my best friend's older brother. Tall, thin, dark hair, light eyes, smart, pretty. Pretty. Handsome? Pretty. Pretty. But they're nothing like Kira. I'd met Kira at summer camp that same year. She's 12, has dirty blonde hair always hidden underneath a bucket cap, moss green eyes, and I am completely obsessed with her. I think I'm obsessive about trying to care about boys, trying to love them by accident like all the girls I know seem to, but I have no idea how hard Hurricane Kira would rock my poor, suspecting young world. The way I love her is the same obsessive, observant way I thought I loved boy after boy I inflicted myself on. But the difference is that Kira is obsessed with me back. There's no one who elevates me, captivates me, puts a spell on me the way that Kira does. So when the conversation eventually switches from Andrea to me, so Wendy, who's the boy that you have a crush on? I say, her name is Kira. Andrea smiles, doesn't miss a beat, and says, tell me about her. What's she like? I didn't expect this. I tell my cousin about the girl I like. 
The second time I come out won't be until years later, but not before the eighth grade when a rumor goes around that I have feelings for my best friend and everyone calls me a dyke. It pushes me that much further into the closet because I'm so love-starved, so hungry for approval. It makes me terrified of myself and my sexuality because gay equals hated. Gay equals outcast. I can't be hated even though I am. I can't be an outcast even though I am. I will take that word with me into all my future relationships. Dyke. Windy the dyke. Windyke, if you will. <laughs> when I'm 16, my first and only boyfriend gives me an opportunity to come out when he asks me what my sexuality is a week into our relationship. I'm panicking. Can Adam tell something about me that I don't know about me? Did he notice the way my eyes got stuck on my best friend an hour ago? The way her golden curls caught in the light? <laughs> he must have. He knows. I'm straight, I yelled, chuckling madly. His eyes widened at my insistence, the horror clear in my voice that he even dare imply otherwise. Yet as heterosexual as they come, straight as the day is long. Okay. Well, I'm bisexual, and shit, now he thinks I'm homophobic. <laughs> Less than ideal. I can't decide which is worse, him thinking I'm gay or him thinking I could possibly hate him for being so. I have no reason to expect he'll hate me for the way I feel about Kira, the way I felt about my best friend whose hair shines in the light. But I don't tell him I like girls. I hope more than anything that I'll be able to love him the way I loved Kira. The conversation shifts to celebrity crushes. His is Tom Cruise. Mine escapes me now because I definitely named a man, which was definitely wrong. We never discuss labels outright again, and I'm grateful. The first time I kiss a girl, I'm 18, it's 2011, and I'm flying. Kira lost the bucket hat, and her dirty blonde curls are dyed hot pink. She mashes my cheeks. She matches my bruised and bloody heart. We're alone in a friend's room, sitting in the dark, and we are close. Closer than I ever thought I'd be allowed to get to a girl. She's kissed girls before, so she tells me we'll take it at my pace, whatever pace I decide that is. I'm not used to this. My first boyfriend said the same thing at first, but after I kissed him, he expected more. He took more. The dark makes me brave, but someone could walk in and they'd see us. They'd know. We've been in our friend's bedroom for over an hour, and she keeps saying that we don't have to kiss. But the thing is, I want to. I want to kiss her far more than I ever did Adam. So I gather up all my courage, and I press my mouth to hers. It's every bit as fucking wonderful as I expected it to be. It's fireworks. It's music swelling. It's bruising and bright and incredible. The bray of my heart is so loud, I'm afraid Kira will hear it. I'm afraid everyone at the party will hear it. I'm afraid everyone in the world will hear it. We don't do more than kiss in that dark room, but we don't need to. It's all I want, all I need. I don't even fully come out to my first girlfriend, Bailey, at least not all the way. It's 2012, I'm 19, and I'm falling in love. I don't know the right word for my sexuality yet, have learned to internalize the homophobia ever present in our society that teaches us lesbian is a dirty word, and I'm not dirty. The love I have for Bailey, it couldn't possibly be dirty. It's too vast, too wide, too beautiful to ever do anything other than shine. Luckily, she doesn't press me for a word. She knows I love her, and that's enough. The first time I truly admit to being gay is to my dad. I'm 19, and I tell him that the friend coming to stay with us for a week from Wisconsin is actually my girlfriend, Bailey. 
I don't want to have to hide away in my own house, but he doesn't seem to agree. So this means you hate me now. You're a man-hating lesbian now. What I want to say, now? <laughs> what I do say, Dad, I want to be loved by you far more than I could ever, ever hate you. No, I am not a man-hating lesbian. I love you. I'm sorry. I have to apologize for falling in love, even though it doesn't feel like something I should ever have to apologize for. He responds in a spiral, not even hearing what I'm saying. You can go. I'll give you the money and you can go. Leave. Get out. You, just, you can't stay here. I can't be in the same house as a daughter who hates me. I start crying. I'm horrified. I never expected this. I feel like I should have expected this. Maybe I'd been coddled by my cousin, my ex-boyfriend, my friends. I feel like a fool. I should have expected nothing less than hatred. And then my mom comes out of her room, clip-clop, clip-plopping down the hallway in her Birkenstocks. What's going on? What's with all the yelling? Wendy is gay. She has to go. I turn to my mom, terrified and expecting more of the same. She looks disgusted. My heart stops. Rich, she says in a slow threat, filling up her five-foot, one-inch stature to the brim. You would leave before she does. Holy shit. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. I learned in high school from the first gay person I ever know that hiding is the safest thing to do. My father's reaction reinforces that belief. I'm taught that hiding oneself and one's history from the world at large is necessary for survival, but to make genuine connection, I have to strive beyond that. It's in my nature to share and be part of the whole, just like everyone else, but all my nature, nurture points to secrecy. I hope who I become, informed by nature and nurture, is a middle ground. My dad's initial reaction to my coming out teaches me that I don't need his or anyone else's approval to accept myself. My mom's fearless love teaches me that I deserve to be protected by the people who love me. My mom already knew that I was gay, but it didn't matter. She loved me with an equal ferocity that I take with me into all my future relationships. My dad had prior experiences that I didn't know about at the time, and they informed his fear. And by accepting him for who he is, I learned to accept myself for who I am. A few years later, my father apologizes. Wendy, he says, I'm sorry I ever said those horrible things to you. You didn't deserve that. I love you no matter what, and I wish I had said that back then. I believe him, and I forgive him. I'm not angry anymore. We're good, my dad and me. Every day, he tries to be better than the man he was yesterday. When I finally come out to myself, I'm 25, and I'm no longer terrified. It isn't some loud, booming moment, no real life-changing event. I'm just finally able to look at myself in the mirror and not want to cry when I say, I'm a lesbian, and I love myself for it. The first time I fall in love with a woman is years after the first time I'm aware of my love for a woman, is years after the first time I admit to anyone that I love a woman, is years after the first time I admit to myself that I like women. Coming out is endless. There is no last time. Me standing up here with all of you now is the last time, and tomorrow when I meet someone new will be the last time, and the next day will be the last, and the next, and the next. That isn't daunting and terrifying like it used to be. I'm not worried about coming out tomorrow. I've made today a good temporary ending to my story. Thank you.
We caught up with Wendy recently and asked them about the experience of sharing their story. My relationship with myself has changed a lot since I told the story. I have always been very honest with everyone else and not so much with myself. I would pretend a lot. I'm not pretending so much anymore. It's really nice. I learned that I'm not as dependent on my parents as I thought I was. For a long time, I'm an only child, so I was their world, and they had to be my world back. The last two years, I've been living out of the house. I have been diagnosed with a lot of different things, but they all accumulated into me being on disability. For a long time, I lived with my parents, and that was hard in some ways. I wanted to become my own person and not just my parents' daughter. Part of that was realizing that I'm non-binary, I'm bisexual, and I really enjoy the life that I've created for myself. Things are so much different now that I've come out in a way that I never expected. I expected there to be heartbreak and distance. We're all more honest with each other, all of us. My mom is more honest, my dad is more honest. We're all more honest. My dad has anxiety, so he didn't come to the viewing, but we showed it to him. And he doesn't usually cry ever. And he cried and he was hearing the way that his actions impacted me was hard for him. I wanted to tell him in my own words how his actions affected me and how I've moved past it in a way that I never thought I'd be able to. Now he asks me about girls, he asks me about guys, he's much more open with it and it was definitely a happy ending. A very special thanks to Wendy for sharing their story. Yes, thank you. And tune in next week for our season finale, when you will meet the two workshop leaders who led the workshop for the first production of Black Trans Stories Matter, Capely and Eric. And of course, you'll get to hear their stories. Capely will share about the swirl of male and female energies they have always felt but didn't until recently have the language to understand their full identity. And from Eric, we will hear about how a gender-affirming surgery allows him to shine like the sun. I'm Blake the Gay. And I'm Julie the Lesbian. TMI Project is available to offer true storytelling workshops and performances for your school or workplace. This episode of Season 4 of the TMI Project podcast, Pride Stories, was produced in partnership with Radio Kingston. It was edited and produced by Eva Tenuto and mixed by Stevie Manns. Our theme song is Secrets by Edison Woods. Our operations and programs manager is you, Blake File. That's right. And our marketing and digital coordinator is Laura Marie Ruoco. Our administrative assistant is Elijah Jackson. Our graphic designer is Lauren Gill. And our workshop leaders are Perla Aora, Capely Kalnick, Haley Downs, Rain Grayson, Ray Lipkin, Dara Lurie, Micah, Eva Tenuto, you, Julie Novak, and me, Blake File. To learn more, support our work, and find a special writing prompt so you can start telling your own pride story, visit tmiproject.org forward slash podcast.